When you're drinking a frozen beverage from McDonald's, your brain may not like how refreshingly cold it is, but the rest of your body, oh yes, it's gonna relish every moment of it because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Get all the chill you need for just $1.69 from any size frozen drink like a frozen Fanta Blue Raspberry to a new ice cold lemonade. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. How should you plan for when your home becomes too small or when the next one gets too big? At Sandy Spring Bank, we're here to help create personalized solutions for financing your home loan. Whether it's a new home or refinance, renovation or addition, fixer-upper or new build. Banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your mortgage. Visit sandyspringbank.com mortgage. Mortgage, home equity, and other credit products offered by Sandy Spring Bank, equal housing lender. <laughs> it would be a wall spot, eh? Hello and welcome everyone to today's episode of Wolves Fancast. It's a transfer deadline special. Everybody joining me tonight for this before the window slams shut. I've got the yellow tie, it's Jeffo, and I've got the purple dildo, it's Stu. <laughs> All day long, mate. All day long. Genuinely, I had that thought at about 3am this morning and thought, Hang on a minute. So you were thinking of me as a purple dildo at three in the morning. What kind of sick games are you playing, Richard? A very sleep-deprived one. (laughs) (laughs) Because when I should be probably caring for a seven-week-old child, what I'm doing is workshopping intros to a podcast. (laughs) 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 Because, Stu, you know me too well. You know that's far. That is pretty much on the ball for me. You know what? I, I was listening to um, Help I Sexy My Boss podcast earlier, and they brought something up which, for me, I, I'm not even going to. It was called Iglooing. They just look that up, what that is. And for once, I was listening to it at work, and I was shocked, shocked to the core. And it takes a lot for me to kind of have a raised eyebrow about any kind of weird fetishes, but this is going too far. Iglooing. There you go. There's one for the kids. I was going to say, because it, it, no. it, yeah, it's, lo- it's lost on me. Um, but to anyone who is listening to this live or, or I'm back on podcast, feel free to drop a uh, co- oh, <laughs> first comment. I'm terrified. Oh, thank- thankfully, it's just Hayley. Hi, Stu. Purple Dildo sounds about right. Yeah, Rumble. Um, make sure if you are um, watching this on YouTube that you like, share and subscribe as always. And um, of course, if you are watching it back as well, uh, make sure you give us um, all the love in the world. Because, guys, we, we're talking about this um, before we jumped on. We are in a bit of a happy mood at the end of a transfer window for once. There's no, I know, air of anger or animosity. We're not getting the pitchforks out, are we? It, it, everything seems a bit happy. And I don't know if it's because yesterday we finally freed Joe Gomez from his... Um, 
I was going to say, from his prison. His mm-hmm. torturous life being, you know, a star Brazilian team. Yeah. Um, I was trying to work out the best way to open this. Is this the most hype you've ever seen a Wolves, well, a defensive midfielder get for joining a club? I mean, Neves was kind of hyped up quite a lot back then, but we were a shit championship club at the time, weren't we? So, um, and I think it was very much the same scenario that hardly anyone has seen him play, regardless of what they say. Mm. Um, in Neves' case, obviously, a couple of people, the Sados who watched European football and Champions League all the time, would have done. Um, but this guy's coming, been mentioned purely on reputation alone mm. and the reaction of some South American journalists. And you think, well, if they're talking about him like this and they're raving about him and this is getting this much attention for a defensive midfielder, then surely the kid's got something about him. And then you look on the, the obligatory YouTube videos and stuff and think, well, he's getting sent off every week. But I think it's just the circumstances around it. It's Everything's all come together in this one. And it's like a... It's almost like a, it's not the statement that Neves was back then, but it's almost a statement of someone wants to come here through choice from Brazil when he could get to France earning more money, potentially get in the Champions League as well. And you think because he's he gave his word, he's come here, and you think it's just a wonderful story all, all round. And it's obviously future planning from us, which we never do. Um, so I think it's a, a mixture of all them things thrown together. It's just a it's just a brilliant feeling all round and going into a transfer deadline day not ready to explode with rage at sellers and farewell before him. <laughs> um and the hey Faust and cheap skates and all it's all gone, eh? It's all different. It, it, it's it's an odd feeling, like you said, Rich. Yeah. And I mean, particularly on sort of Jao Gomez to start with. Jafo, does he, and again, we're kind of falling into football cliches categories here. Is he classed as a wonder kid? I mean, uh, yeah, probably. I mean, I, mean, he's tw- he, I know he's technically 21, but. He's hanging in there, isn't he? He's, yeah. he's hanging in there. He's, he's kind of like, and I, I probably mentioned this before, he's like one of those where he's at the prime value for like when mm. Brazilian league clubs want to sell players into Europe. I mean, if he'd have stopped in Brazil anymore, he'd have started losing value. Um, but from, like Stu says, as like what people say is true and the hype that he's getting from, you know, the likes of Tim Vickery and, and, and some of the other people who are involved in South American football is, is true, then we've got a bargain on our hands. We feel almost like in this post, Scott Sellers, you know, post Brexit era as well, when we said we were going to look at South America, that we finally cut the middleman out and, and got somebody before Benfica or you know, ahead of Leon in this case, yeah. which is which is refreshing because we're just doing what Brighton have been doing for the past two years. Yeah, it feels like we this year. It feels like we've tried to be a lot smarter, and I think it's shown in. In the signings, how like you know, none of them have really been the, the stereotypical Jorge Mendes carousel of players. When you know, we obviously we we all knew Wolves were going to have to invest this transfer window to make sure that we don't go down, and it felt like it could have been really easy to let's say get Uncle Jorge on the phone, get his roller decks out, and and get you know for Benfica B team or whatever, but. 
it's hey, it's just felt different and the fact that they had a couple of swings that try to get players from South America and it not quite pan out for one reason or another to then it, it feels like as you were saying Stu the Neves one felt like such a big transfer for the club and I think everyone kind of realised very early on how big it was for the football for the first team whereas this feels like it's a really big win for the back office in terms of actually being able to get this deal over mm. the line because yeah yeah you know, like, I think I said on a show a couple of weeks back how they've had this, you know, good ideas. Just, just what I said about sort of tapping in South America, scouting proficiently, cutting out the middleman, but then have really struggled with that negotiation side of it to get those transfers over the line for for one reason or another. Um, they've kind of got hoodwinked uh, on the um, by Arsenal for the one player. And, and you know they, how much we were actually in Frenzo Fernandez, I don't quite know personally, but they persevered, and you know they they stuck to their guns. And you're right, Jao Gomez wanted to come to Wolverhampton, and it was when when he bought the trainers as well. That was that was it for me. I know. Oh, just he had me. And like obviously, you know, it was really sweet to say, see him goodbyes, and everyone's really happy for him. And you can't forget that people element. Um, sometimes, don't you? They were, you know, they're literally like you can always see them going, "Oh, you you excited?" He's like, "Fuck yeah, I am." <laughs> These are my colours now. And it's just like you know what? He he's already become a firm fan favourite, despite him never playing for Wolves and barely anyone watching. You know, any of his eighty six. Senior games, <laughs> um, but everything I've seen of him, him and Babacu Traore in the middle of the park, Bubakar. You called Bubacar him. Trail. You spent the whole did... episode last week calling him Babacar or Bubakat or whatever. I, I usually go. I usually just go Traore. <laughs> but Traore. I tell you what, a five on both of them to get a booking in a game. <laughs> Easy printing money, isn't it? Well, you put them to and Lamina as well. <laughs> yeah, there's tasty, tasty midfield, though, isn't it? It, it? It's tasty, yes. That is the perfect <laughs> word for it. Uh, you know, <laughs> there's there's a lot of as soon as again, it's a nickname thing. As soon as you've got a young Brazilian defensive midfielder whose nicknames for Pitbull, <laughs> you kind of know you know what you're up against, aren't you? Yeah, it's it's like having a Argentinian player. Whose nickname's El Loco? He's gonna get himself sent off for reckless headbutt. It, it, I don't write the rules, Stu. It, it's just how it is, isn't it? Like it, nature against nurture. Yeah, something's gonna win. Yeah, you know it. It is going to happen. Um, but Wolves have made six. Dare I say, really solid signings for one, which has kind of gone under the radar because it is a bit of an under the radar meh signing is um, signing Dan Bentley um, as essentially backup goalkeeper and again there's been a lot of talk about the goalkeeping situation at Wolves because Sars being a bit off the boil whether it's through injury or form or just natural regression from last season and a lot of talk about Sars not necessarily great with his feet now you look at all the shots of Dan Bentley and all the clips I've seen, 
He's always in a short goalkeeping shirt. Now stick with me here. I think to wear a short goalkeeping shirt, you automatically have to be good with your feet. Uh, well, didn't Rui Patricio? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, good point. Yeah, we, we know how that played out. But, He's... Mm. Uh, let me... Kind of rewind. You were it's... underwhelmed, weren't you, yeah. Stu, to be honest? I think my main point of it, well, I mean, as a as a keeper, the shot stopper, no problem whatsoever, fantastic. Um seen, I've seen him a few times, and like the one that he keeps talking about in all the videos of him so far, uh, when he was at Brentford and we battered him. Um and he had no chance. But mm. he's commanded enough. <laughs> um he doesn't seem to drop that many bollocks, really. But if the main objective was to pl- get a keeper in who pl- who's good with his feet, I don't see that in him, really. I know that it's it's Bristol City, and obviously they're not going to be playing like that all the time anyway. Um, and they've obviously got something about him to, to bring this guy in. But I don't think there's much of a difference between him and Ruddy from that point of view. And it kind of makes you think, well, if Bruno hadn't been a complete arsehole to everyone... Um, and Ruddy had stayed, would this have happened? Because that's the kind of... I mean, how, was he about the same age when he joined anyway? Uh, before it came, he had to... Obviously, what happened to him and he had to play for... He was first choice automatically, uh, by default almost. It seems very similar to that, where he's an English goalkeeper who's not the best in the world, but he'll do a job and won't necessarily let you down. But he's not coming in to compete. I'd, I'd be very, very surprised if he's coming in to compete for a first-team place ahead of Jose Sart, regardless of his, his little mistakes over the last few weeks, which you think two weeks off, they've had enough time to coach kind of coach it out of him a little bit and get rid of this little malaise that he's been on. I just don't see him surpassing him. I just, I, but we did need someone because Sarkic has looked rusty. Obviously, he hasn't played other than the cup game, so he will do, and he's young. So we needed a bit of experience, and obviously you can't moan. It's the homegrown thing and everything. It ticks every box. But he's not coming in to take the first in place from Saar. That that was my main point behind it all. I was going to say, do, does Sarkic class as homegrown? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I know, to be fair, he needs football. Don't get me wrong. And, you know, Wolves will keep you know, half an eye in terms of their the sellability of Sarkic. Um, I hadn't quite realised that John Ruddy signed for us when he was about 30. In my mm. head, he was like, he's always been 34. <laughs> <laughs> like, even in that championship season, he was like a, a, a goalkeeper who was, you know, on the decline rather than signing, he was signing like, you know, arguably um, in their pomp. Yeah, so uh, you, you're right, sure. I don't kind of massively see him, I say, having a huge impact. But again, it's Jafo, it's I guess somebody who has at least got a lot of games under his belt at that, I was going to say, at championship level, kind of com- especially compared to Sarkic. So if something does happen with Sar, you know, he aggravates this wrist injury, there's a better backup option at the very least yeah I think that's a fair point I think game time and experience is, is 
you know, invaluable. You you can't fake that. You can't fake the amount of games that you played in football. And you know, Bentley, he's done it at, at, at albeit championship level. From what people have seen and what you, what you've seen through YouTube, he, he looks a solid enough goalkeeper as a shot stopper and somebody you can pull off. Some of some of the saves are a little bit out there. They're a little bit, you know, bizarre. They're a little bit sublime. But it's one of those. It's it's Sarkic hasn't had the chance of playing because we've had Rui Patricio and we had Jose Sar. These these players who they haven't rotated out enough. And and besides the first season that we had in the Prem when we got to the semi, we haven't really gone deep in cup competitions. So we haven't given you know Sarkic and uh, Sondergaard and people like that the chance to develop. Um, so having somebody who's already got like two hundred games plus under his belt is perfect because like you say, he can come in, he can play and there's no pressure because he, he's been there and he's done it. Yeah. I think the fact that for me, for me, the difference is that like, you know, um, Sarkic, you know, he played what 26 league games for Shrewsbury in 2021, 2021, 22, he played 23 games for, lose um before getting injured whereas you compare it to you know dan bentley and it's well six seven seven full seasons in the championship where the least amount of games he played was 33 and all the rest he you know 45 45 43 43 you know but, but basically he, he's a, been a mainstay solid championship goalkeeper for you know a big period of his career and you're right it's it's tricky um big thanks to people on the youtube comments we've had one come through from martin which i know we we love a tangent but do you guys think that sar be gone next season it's interesting eh? i mean it's almost like he's got a hmm like a three four months kind of trial now to prove himself that if he if he knocks this nonsense away out of his out of his game, then there's no reason to say what he he wouldn't be here. But he's always had this about him. I mean, we, when I was talking about him five years ago when we signed Rui, and I said, "Oh, why can't we just go and get Jose Sar?" And then when it finally happened, I thought, and I said on here that he's got he'll drop a bollock every now and again because that's just what he's like. And last season there was hardly any. And like this season, in the last month or so, it seems to be we've had 18 months worth all in, in the space of three weeks. If he doesn't stop it, then he'll be gone. Because they've already shown with uh, Arsenal that he's Gonzalo Guedes that they're not going to piss about. And if you're not going to fit in, you're out the door. And if you're not good enough, you're going to be out the door. So he's got to prove himself. And if, if he doesn't, then... There's no reason why we can't go and get a, a, another keeper. And Kelleher would be n- my number one choice. Absolutely number one choice out of everyone I've seen. 30 million quid, it'd be worth it. And he's younger. So it wouldn't surprise me if, he's, if his form doesn't pick up that he'll be gone. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I don't see why... Um why they'd want to make a decision on that now um, with Lopetegui coming in. I think everyone goes onto a clean slate. Everyone gets an opportunity to prove themselves. 
it's just op- it's just obvious that Geddes has proved to Lopetegui that he wasn't going to fucking try in in the time in, that, a, in a month in the, in, in the month that he was here. So, <laughs> but with the Jose Sarr situation, you know, he's he, he's a pro who's who's played a lot of games and 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 done it. You know, like you say, he drops a bollock occasionally, and, and it seems to be every everyone's looking at him because we need results at the moment, and every like every, all eyes are on him when when we're we're dropping points and we're you know and missing out on important points in get big games. But I think I think you're right, Stu. I think at the end of the season, once he's had these four months of, of like approving ground and, and saying, okay, can you actually do what we want you to do, then. Uh, okay, we'll look at maybe changing it, or maybe you stay. But it's a dang- it's a dangerous decision because you know we're still in that sort of zone of where we could get relegated, um, and a goalkeeper mistake or, th- or two could could lose you three points. It could lose you six points, and those, that could be the difference between staying in the league. So I mean, he he must be confident enough in his ability to say, okay, he he's enough he's enough to go to the end of the season, but. There's got to be something there that you know that they will be looking. Um, the Kelleher thing that you mentioned, I think that's a lot of money for thirty million. I, I don't think I'd pay that, mm. but there's not many good options out there, like you say. And they'll want somebody who's homegrown. I think, I think Kelleher probably comes into that. I would have thought being Irish and being at Liverpool as long as he has, and and I think that's they've kind of had the hand forced a little bit with that. With with these new homegrown rules, yeah. uh, well, the slight changes to him, uh, that they will have to look at that, and he's probably the the best of of the bunch, although probably not the right choice, the perfect choice, should I say? I mean, you, you look at the price though that they sold Danny Ward to Leicester for eleven million, and if that's Danny Ward going for that money, yeah. I think we've we've kind of been tricked into a bit of a false economy really with when Rui was what 16 in the end when we had to pay actually pay up for him and mm. then Saar was eight that was stupid money there's there's no there's no way in our if we were in the open market and we didn't have our good friend Mr Mendes helping us along that we'd get them players for that money just it just wouldn't happen so I think that they've proved with that we'll come on to Kuna that they'll pay money when they they believe in it which has been what Jeff Shee said for the last five years, to be fair to him. But I think you just, it's one of them positions where you can't, like you just said, Jeff, you can't scrimp. Uh, and if if that's the going rate, pay the going rate. I mean, it is it is worth, either way, it's worth either 10 points for you or losing 10 points the other way if you get a dodgy one. So in, in my opinion, I, I'd, if the money was there, I'd spend it on someone who was exceptional playing that way, which I think Keller is. I just don't like paying the Liverpool tax because, for literally, as you've as you've said, they do overprice players who turn out invariably to be duds. Um, for for me, and I could reel off a list, including one who has <laughs> come to Wolves and has been binned, <laughs> who's. Um, like Sarkic being sent to Stoke, um, and yeah, I say it, I, you know, I say it like it's a punishment because, well, it is. Um, in terms of moving up the pitch, though, um, Wolves didn't sign that 
number nine. We didn't sign an out and out striker, but we did invest into, I guess, more attacking forward type players in Sarabia and um, and Kuna, as you say. Do you think that links to, uh, I guess, the hypothesis that Wolves' issue isn't necessarily for shooting, but much more on the creating chances side of things? Because you're right, it felt like this year, if we wanted it, we've gone and got it. So the fact that we haven't gone out and got a striker, do you think that means we just didn't want one? Or what do you think the thought process is behind it? I think that's exactly it. I mean, we don't need to focus on one person getting it. I think if we put all our eggs in one basket, we, we open ourselves up for a can of worms like West Ham had done with Danny Ings. You know, he's gone and he's, he's, he's played less time on the pitch than Sasha Kaladzic and he's, he's out for a period of time again. Um, I mean, Wolves' biggest problem over the last few years has been an over-reliance on individuals and Raheem as 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 in the past has, has carried the team with goals so they need to spread it around, and Dan, like Daniel Potence has done this season, he's he's picked up his game. He's starting to chip in with goals and assists. That's the idea with Sarabian. You know, he got twenty plus goals last season in in Liga de Portugal. Um, you know, Cunha should if he gets like six in the back end of the season, he's he's done enough. Um, and that's what they want. They want to do is they want to get as many goal scorers and, and be able to score from as many places on the pitch as possible because that's something that we haven't been able to do and having that threat and, and, and being able to be, be progressive and be dominant in different areas and being unpredictable is what's going to be the difference between us being successful and staying up and, and, and winning our fight for survival than putting all our eggs in the, in the, like a, a Danny Ings basket, like West Ham had done. I think it's very um, naive to, to want to, sign the ilk of those players in this sort of situation because I think you can get burned very easily. Yeah, there was... I mean, on that, there was an excellent tweet that Gully replied to earlier from Jack, 2005-21, saying, if Flopetegi thought finishing chances was the main issue, his first priority would have been a number nine in the window. And it's spot on because how many times we come on here and I've moaned and bitched about the fact that they're all, they're all fucking shit and they don't do anything... And you look at them, apart from Pedence, who's turned into some kind of Indian summer in the last three months, um, he hasn't done it either. And you look at the others, obviously, I'm going to say Adama, because why wouldn't you? Huang doesn't do anything, <laughs> apart from his running, which is fair enough. But Trincao, flat to deceive. Obviously, Geddes was a complete waste of time. And then you're going back and you look at players who uh, since Jota left, and we don't, we haven't created anything at all. We don't create chances for them to miss. So if if they were there and there were being catastrophic chances every week, blasted over the bar, other than a couple of weeks ago with Raul heading over at the end, that was one of the very few that you can actually remember where you think that should have been a goal because we don't do anything. It's final third. It's been pathetic for. Best part of two and a half years since well since we came back from lockdown since project restart it has been it's been diabolically bad and if we've got players who can actually do stuff now in Kuna and Sarabian Pedence up in his game as well and then you look at other other players like Matthias who can drive with a ball who we haven't had before that gives you an option there you've got 
other players that can cover for him in Lamina and Neves doing that kind of work. Or that whole top end of the pitch from take the defence and keeper away. It's something we haven't had for two and a half years that now we have got. And if at the end of this season, the strikers who are playing there, obviously Lord Diego is obviously going to, probably not going to be here past the summer and he's coming and he's more than like a glorified cheerleader, which, I, like I said a couple of weeks ago, I don't think his influence in getting these Brazilians over the line can be discounted. I think the fact that he's coming with his cheerful attitude and posting <laughs> Insta videos of the snow in Technol and all this kind of thing, and you think, well, fair play to you. You've kind of embraced it all. You haven't done anything really, <laughs> but still, if Raul can't do it, then he'll be off. And we'll have Fabio to come back and Sasha might have a chance. But then they'll look at it in the summer. And well, if Kuna can't play there up, up through the middle, then he's got other places to play. He can play as a 10 as well. So I think doing it this way around and giving them a chance to prove themselves in the finishing department is the right way to go. Like Because like Jeffel said, if we'd signed Danny Ings and none of these others, we'd be in exactly the same boat. Because where's he, where's he going to get the chances from? Yeah, pretty much. As I say, I do have breaking news, though. Kevin McDonald signed for Exeter City. That's great news. Given given the guy's health problems over the last few years and, and you know, he had to drop out from the game for a while. I, I think it was a problem with his kidneys, I believe. Mm. Yeah, right yeah, yeah. It's brilliant. To, to, to see him playing again, you know, that's uh, it's wonderful because he was a great, a great player and a great... Um, Servant and him and Jack Price was a, a dream midfield at the time, really enjoyable. How old is he now? About 35. He's got to be, yeah. yeah. He's getting on a bit. He, he strikes me as someone who, like, bar the, I was going to say, the illness and the situation he was in, sort of probably be able to sort of still run a midfield at a healthy age. He's 34. Yeah. Um, well, he never had pace anyway, did he? So that, that's no. never going to have changed his game, really. So yeah, there, fair there is there is other breaking news though. It's that Wolves have actually released uh, or terminated a contract more to a point of Andreas Sondergaard. Mm. Um, I say in terms of Kevin McDonald, um, uh, I think it was uh, from Martin in the YouTube comments. His brother um, gave him his kidney, um, which is. Yeah, um, I was say, must be so tough to say for Sonu because he was still at the genuine height of his career, and Sonu, you know, was still at that. I was going to say that hook of his own um, in terms of being a, a really solid championship player, who obviously was at Fulham and sort of doing that yo-yoing. Um, the we sound silly when someone was skipping over the signing as Lamina because. It just feels like a really just good signing where it's gone, you know what, we need an extra body in the midfield. He's got experience in the Premier League. He's had something different, just brilliant. And from all the bits we've seen of him, he already seems to, again, just offer that something that we just haven't had in that midfield for a bit of a while. Um, but before we take a quick minute... The one I actually wanted to discuss was Craig Dawson. Now, there was a rumour at the start of the day, which unless something manic happens in the next you know, hour and a bit or whatever, of Max Kilman leaving for £40 million, uh, to Spurs. 
But getting in Craig Dawson, do you think that's sort of future-proofed the club in case something like that did happen? I mean, it's obviously bullshit. Don't don't get me wrong. There's never in not in a month for Sundays is Max Kilman being, you know, no one's buying Max Kilman for forty million pounds at this point. <laughs> and I'm and I love him. Um. I don't think you say future proofing when the guy's like thirty. What is he? Thirty four. No, I mean like no. I meant future proofing uh, in terms of yeah. like if, if somebody like yeah, yeah for, no, for the next six months. <laughs> yeah, it it just seems every player's got the price and like um, the whole the Brighton and Arsenal tussle. That ha- what is going on? Is that back on again now? I heard something earlier that it was back on again. Who the hell knows? But they signed. Um, um... But have they literally just signed a midfielder? Yeah, Jorginho from Chelsea. Yeah, so, so what, why why are they spending ninety million on someone who's paid, you know, less than twenty games or whatever it is in the Premier League? For, yeah, he's, he's a good player. He's a good oh, yeah. player, but it, I don't know. I think it's fear. I think Arsenal is genuine fear that he, if he gets a one or two injuries, that he's going to slip up and City are going to come riding through on their their white 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 horses just to steal the title. And you got to think as well, if they're signing Jorginho and they go back in for Caicedo as well, they might not have a certain player who's playing in their midfield for them for much yes, longer. I was going to so, say, I, for, for the ramifications of it, um, but there's a very clear reason why they're looking to bolster that midfield. Yeah. But... Yeah, yeah. Dawson, um, Dawson. Dawson. Yeah, good lad, <laughs> good family man. Yeah, <laughs> nice guy. Obviously, he's come back for for family reasons. Obviously, um, and obviously, you look at the the reaction on the West End Twitter, and it was devastating. And like I said about the, the the woman who had Mrs. Dawson on the back of her shirt in the club before the game against them, um, clear like a almost like a Jody Craddock figure for him. And that's kind of what he seems, just steady pro. And I couldn't, the, the amount of goals that he scored, <laughs> it, it's more than any of us oh. put together. Oh, it's so, ridiculous, isn't it? So if we if we wanted someone on the end of crosses from set pieces, then we've got him. We don't need a striker. We've only spent three million on him. So who the hell knows? But yeah, it, it just makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, it, we've said all, all season, it, it seemed Kilman and Collins however good they are individually doesn't seem to work together because they're too inexperienced and too quiet and you need someone in either in between them or instead of one of them. So it'll be interesting though, because Dawson Dawson playing mainly on the right hand side of defense. I can't remember him playing on the left. So uh, you can't see Collins moving to the left side of defense either. So, well, that'll be interesting what happens there because I think I, my feeling was that it's going to be Collins and Dawson straight away, and Kilman will be the one to drop out with Toti. But who plays where then? <laughs> yeah, I think people. Uh, I think worry too much about if they're good enough, they play on whatever side, you know. And I think probably they um, the lot, you know, Dawson. He could do. He could play anywhere across that. Across that, I know people will look and say, okay, he's played a lot of right back games, and and. He, he he's occupied that space, but with the experience that he's got, you know, he should be able to just slot in and play that left-sided centre back. It shouldn't be it shouldn't be an issue really. And you know, 
with the likes of when Collins uh, was at Burnley, he's probably played there a couple of times as well. I mean, Ben Mee was out a little bit injured last season, so he probably would have covered there, I would have thought. So, I mean, it's not really too much of a, a massive problem. Uh, I know football purists probably would prefer <laughs> a left-footed left centre-back, but beggars can't be choosers in our situation. Or inverted, like when we had um, when we had Bolly playing on the left oh, hand side. That, was, that yeah. was the most bizarre thing in the world. <laughs> I think there must have been a game last season where you always had like Bolly on the left, Kilman on the right. Mm. If that back three, and you know, I enjoyed Kilman playing on the uh, yeah on that other side, and you know, again, much smarter football minds than me will talk about passing angles and things like that, um, but. You know what? If you're versatile enough and you've got the body positioning to be able to handle it, then I don't think it matters if you're left foot or right footed playing one side or the other. Um, you know, so it'll be interesting to kind of see how it pans out. It potentially gives us a stronger option as well if we go for three at the back as well. You could argue, but I think it's a re- again a really solid signing and one of the things that Wolves missed. <sighs> I guess the first half of the season and it, it was through shooting themselves in the foot was the fact that a lot of leaders did leave the club in the summer. Now, whether that was right right or wrong thing to do and I think there were circumstances behind it because obviously I had to say somebody who left on free transfers um, and then the whole Cody situation as well. And however much there footballing ability might get covered with transfers it is sometimes hard to have those leaders step up immediately and I think that certain players have stepped up to become more senior players um, in recent weeks anyway but bringing in the likes of Lamina who's 13 the likes of Craig Dawson and even Dan Bentley you, you know you, you've as I said hopefully he is that replacement for John Ruddy in terms of being a bit of a locker room guy and still give you that quality as well. Um, so, you know, even if they don't necessarily play huge amount of games, if they can just help the likes of Collins and Kilman, if Dawson in that case, just bridge that gap between, I guess, being a young pro to the experience of the head, that, that, that's worth the value, in my opinion. And, you mm. know, so it's, 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 a, it's a no-lose signing isn't it Craig Dawson if it doesn't quite work out I don't think anyone's you know he's not going to make you know a blog list of top 10 worst transfer signings by Wolves or whatever is he Um, because that list's long enough anyway um, to be honest but we're going to take a short break Um, afterwards just going to talk about the transfer policy as a whole a couple of interesting uh, signings and ongoings within the league um, today in the last couple of days and round it off with a dreaded quiz, guys. We'll see you in a second. Hello, welcome back, everybody. Um, as we kind of alluded to at the start of the show, it's felt like Wolves have had a plan. <laughs> and scary. It, it feels so long since I've had to say that. I think. Probably since Nuno's first season, you could argue, where he was kind of just given 
you know, very much the keys to Jorge Mendes's, you know, little black book. But it's felt like all the signings have been like really precise. And you could argue it, it was from the summer as well. Um, and a couple of things fell off the sides with it um, in terms of injuries and, and the likes. But there seems to be a lot more joined up thinking at the moment within the club. And I think that's that a certainty and assurance has come back to the fans as well. Yeah. yeah. I think it, you look at the bit, what they said in the, um, in the, was it the, was it the Gomez one where they, they talked about how um, they're, they're planning like a year or two years ahead, which we've heard that before. We heard that years ago where they said that they've, they've got a plan. Um, they plan for the two summers ahead. I think that was under Thelwell that, the infamous 5,000 players um, quote. So if they are planning, if they are constantly planning ahead and that's been the, the through line for years, then they are, the, then clearly the problem was sellers all along, like everyone said. Um, and it's no surprise, is it, that we've got a manager come in who actually knows what he's doing with his own people. And the fact that he didn't know Joe Gomez and that he was instantly convinced by just looking at him and saying, yeah, get this guy in, which again is on the website. It's not hearsay. You think, well, yeah, we've actually, we have actually got scouts doing an actual proper job, for, but where's that link been? <laughs> Where was, uh, why have we been told for five years, oh, you can't do any business in January. It's too tough. Well, it's bollocks, isn't it? Because we've got six players in, <laughs> yeah. in the space of three weeks. Mm. So it's all been lies and, and, dodgy dealings and whatever and if you if you whichever way you want to believe it is oh sellers was just the mouthpiece he was the fall guy well he was he was shit at that as well because he he took it all and then he was doing the, the stuff with with the, the tactics board in the in the stand and all that stuff and it just got so toxic yet we're we're told and we've been told before that this plan's always been there so and I, I know someone um retweeted it earlier something from a few years ago where um it might be last season actually when large wanted a striker and um a midfielder and all he was allowed to bring in was the players that we brought back in off loan yeah and you think well clearly that was ridiculous and if that was him doing his job and balancing the books which didn't need balancing by the way um as has been shown then he was either the worst yes man in the world or he was inept Either way, we can all hate him for doing what he did. And we've got someone in who knows what they're doing now. The whole backroom staff knows what they're doing. The club seems to be back on track where it was before that moron was appointed. And it, it, it's all happy days. And we're what, 17th in the league. It's unbelievable yeah. scenes. I think you're right. I think you're totally right. And I think, it's, I think it speaks volumes that Mr. Sellers left the club so quickly after Fran uh, Garagaza and, and the like came into the club. Because the work that Fran's doing in the background and Daniel Lopetegui mm. as well is invaluable. They are guys who know exactly what they're doing. All you have to do is look at what Fran did at Ibar and and you listen to how Yulen talks about what his, his son can do as a, as a scout and a, a talent identification. These guys, the results are already there. You have the likes of Pablo mm. Sarabia. You know, he's a Spanish international. 
All right, okay, Adama's played for Spain, but this guy, this he's a good player. You can see his, his talent, his pedigree. And to be able to, as we touched on it earlier, bring in a player like Mario Lamina, who is a very astute signing. You're talking about, in in the past sort of about a couple of hours, the likes of a, a Ukrainian international who's 20 years old, is coming in for like £20 million, 120 million for Enzo Fernandez. You know the likes of, of uh, Matai Mudrik for eighty million pounds. <laughs> it's it's scary that 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 this is the money being thrown around, and you've got a player who's playing in France, who is probably at the best point in his career and playing the best football in his career, who has played for two Premier League teams, and you bought him in for under ten million pounds. Who it also is exactly what you need? Who also said in his video with Gemma that. He could have signed. They tried to sign him four years ago, and he's been on the radar ever since. What the fuck have we been doing? Yeah, exactly. And that speaks volumes of of, of the of the guys who've been bought in and doing the backroom stuff. So I do applaud Fran and, and the team that Hugh have bought in because yeah. they're doing the job. And within a month of coming in, look who they've sorted all that out. Got rid of Doctor Death. He's been fucked off. He ain't going to get a job again. And. <laughs> You know what I mean, though? It's like every bad thing about this club all season long. <laughs> everything, every single thing we've come on here and talked about has been fixed within, what, two months of them being here? And it's like, all it took was some, someone from the outside coming in and it, just to look at the absolute state of everything and rectify it all straight away. Yeah. And this hasn't been like, oh, they got multi-million pound payoffs. They've been sacked. They're sacked. And <laughs> it's like one of the things, like our mutual consent and whatever, they've been sacked. They were inept. They didn't do the jobs properly, and they're gone. Same with getters. Same with everyone. <laughs> sellers. It's good, man. It's, it's weird to be positive. And it's weird to be the only one talking about us not being in a relegation fight in the group chat where everyone else is, oh, well, we'll get to 40. No, we'll be fine. We'll be about, we'll be about 13, 14th. No problem. Yeah, I mean, if I didn't have severe anxiety, I think I'd, I'd join you in that one. But I don't <laughs> want to put my neck out, my neck out on that one. <laughs> I'm like, just I'm like, yeah, I did have that crippling depression of a background. No, it's, it's, <laughs> you're right. Like, I know, I know that we're going to be fine. I know that we're not going to get relegated just because I still believe there's several teams worse than us in the league. But I still struggle to see us putting that big run together where we just get so much breathing. You know, we're still going to be in and around this area of the table in March. And now that's just because of the amount of fixtures and whatever. But I know that month by month, we will, you know, we'll creep that position up. And you're right, Stu, by hopefully May, we will be 14th and we'll be 12 points clear for relegation with, you know, three games to go. That That's that's the aim, isn't it? Just because of our running. Because um, if we're still in that position somehow going into May, then... That's a bit squeaky bum time, but that's a worry for another day. Um, in terms of some of the transfers going on around and about the league today, a couple of interesting ones. I think for, for big standouts, got to be Matt Doherty going to uh, Atletico Madrid. 
What a career. Uh, literally, for the boy who started as a painter to end up finishing his career probably in Spain, his last big move, he's, he's done great, isn't he? And, and he was a great servant here, and, and you know, we bought him for peanuts from Bohemians, mm. and and hopefully, hopefully he goes out there and does as well as Kim and Trippier did, because I think a lot of the abuse that and stupid comments that are coming from Wolves, some Wolves fans about Doherty today on, on social media and, and his ability, actually ability as a defender are very short-sighted because he was a good player for Wolves. Okay, he was inconsistent and he, his concentration probably wasn't the best at times and we tried to upgrade on that with Samedo and, and we're only probably in the last couple of games really seeing the fruits of that of that, um, of that deal. But I know some people are probably disagree with me on that one. But no. he's done brilliantly, and 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 the same. Good best of luck to him because it's uh, it's a great great place, and you know he's. I think I'd love to be playing in fucking Spain over yeah. Tottenham any day. It's 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 a much better situation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, he he's kind of got that bit of a jackpot. That you know, Tottenham has that. <sighs> Uh, I'm not going to slag. No, I was going to say Noel's going to re sort of pick up on this anyway. Sorry, Spurs Twitter. But you know, it can be a bit of a toxic mess sometimes. And Matt Doherty can be a bit of a lightning rod sometimes, as he wasn't here because of how he comes across as much as anything else. And I've been critical of him previously. And, but, you know, by no means was he a terrible player for Wolves. Did he strike lucky and whatever? But. You know, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting to see how he gets on in Spain, especially how we've seen how Kieran Trippier got on as well. Um, see, we kind of follows a similar model. Um, and I think my thing is, Doherty was this such a system player for us, and yeah. if you know, if you're playing for Atletico Madrid, they're very system heavy, so they're not going to sign someone who's against the mould. Um, or if they don't think that they can utilise someone of his, you know, what his strengths are, what his strengths are. Um, so I think that's going to be a, a fun one, but they have replaced him with um, uh, Pedro Porro um, for, I think it was a was about 40 odd, 50 odd million. I think it was, it's come to in the end. And again, that's a, a big Antonio Conte signing. Signing a, you know, very nippy wing back. Mm. Very good, very good footballer as well, and probably would have been on the radar of some of the bigger clubs. But like, as you say, it's a lot of money to spend on a defender, and and it's, it seems very Tottenham to throw a lot of money in a position <laughs> like that instead of yeah. trying to back up Harry Kane and Son. And I know they got Kulusevski up front, and and they've added, but. They just, they just don't seem to be any strength in depth, despite bringing the likes of Ivan Perisic in and, and you yeah. know, getting the players that they did in the summer. They always they always seem to just not have enough. And I don't know what, what it is. It's just Conte seems to be spending money and it just, I don't know, it just seems to be slipping through his fingers. Hard to, yeah, it's always hard to see where the money goes. I, I remember looking at the Spurs lineup. It might be when we beat them last season, to be honest. I appreciate that's like a year ago now. But it's like, if you're still relying on the likes of Ben Davis <laughs> at, th- at this point, and again, fantastic 
fantastic pro, fantastic career and the rest of it. But should he be your starting defender? Should Eric Dyer be your starting defender if you're looking to finish in the top four at this rate? And the answer's kind of no, but then you look at who their other options are and they're all bits of hits and misses if you're not careful. It just, a lot of the time, it just doesn't seem very synced up. There doesn't sort of seem to be that cohesiveness within that team. Um, whereas, I guess, with Man United, now they've made a couple of, I, you could call it left-field signings, but I don't know, it, it might be a perception thing, but whenever Ten Hag's made a signing, in particular, you know, the two they've made in the last week, in, um, it feels like there's a, there's a thought process behind it, even if, you know, they're not, you know, they're not long-term signings necessary for a club. Yeah, and it's about buying into that ethos again and that, and the worst thing that Man United did in the past couple of years was bring back Ronaldo because it threw everything that they that mm. they were doing out the, out the window and it, it affected the talisman of that team in Bruno Fernandes. It, it, it was visible. It, it, it stopped him from being himself. It stopped him from expressing himself on the football pitch and, it's scary. I mean, Ten Hag knows what he likes in a player. He knows how to identify a philosophy, and it, it's good. And 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 the likes of Marcel Sabitzer, who is at Carrington now doing his medical, doing all this paperwork to to sign on loan. He's a good footballer. He he is the one who's going to fit that Ten Hag mould of, of being a hard worker who's fundamentally a very good footballer. Because he wouldn't have gone to Barcelona, uh, Barcelona, by Munich. Mm. Brain's gone, but yeah, mm-hmm. he wouldn't have gone to to Bayern Munich if he wasn't a good footballer because they just steal everything. As we all know, they steal all the best players who play in Germany. And you know, he's he's an he's an Austrian international. He's a very good footballer. So they mm-hmm. like what we're doing. They are profiling good footballers to come in and and fit a philosophy and fit an ethos. And that's what any sane football team would do. Mm-hmm. And I think. That is where I think the lights of like Newcastle have kind of done well. I think they've been lucky in what they, when they've brought in players that they've done well because I don't think they've really fitted in the ethos and they haven't got an ethos yet. Uh, and I think that's kind of what a, a good manager needs to do. And that's, I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of of, the, of uh, Eddie Howe anyway, and even even still, and I, I just don't think these teams are going to be consistently there because they haven't got this philosophy. And I think that's what Man United are probably doing quite well now. You know what, Sebitzer reminds me a bit like when they signed um, Bastian Schweinsteiger. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Mm. Very, very similar kind. Not, not in terms of similar kind of player, but similar kind of um, level of experience. Obviously, Schweinsteiger was older, but that kind of consistent performer in the Bundesliga, someone who knows what they're doing, Who's more flexible than you think? Um, that's got relatively cheaper than you imagine as well. Um, yeah, it's annoying how they've gone back to being sensible again. It was, it, it's almost like Spurs have took the mantle back of being banter club of the, the whole league. And they had that whole period where Redknapp kind of made them Champions League regulars and they were playing well with Bale and stuff. And Arsenal kind of took over, but Spurs being banter club, it, it almost feels like the world's healing again. They're, they're like a high-profile Everton, aren't they? Like Everton with money, mm. Spurs. Yeah. But Man United, I think Man United will be... I think they're, 
with what they've done and how they're playing, I think they're their top four shoe-ins. I, I, I can't see them not getting that, really. Yeah, yeah. I think that kind of lucky as well this season that Liverpool and Chelsea have been as poor as they have um, because it's allowed them to go about their business quite quietly and, and, and be consistent. I think there would have been a lot more pressure from the outside if they'd have been pressed against two or, the, two or three other teams, I think, because they're up against the likes of Newcastle. Um, for that fourth spot in Brighton and people like that, then the, the hand breaks off a little bit. Uh, yeah, both definitely. Um, I'll say it's, it's interesting what you say in terms of sort of especially drop off in Liverpool. And mm. uh, my, my question was going to be, you know, whoever loses in this transfer window, because I think some teams have particularly done either a lot of business or shrewd business. And I'd like to involve fall into that category, but you know, even teams bottom half of the table. Don't seem to have pulled up many trees. Um, you know, say you look at West Ham, it would have been on the slide. You get innings, decent wedge, even, you know, gets injured in what was his first training session or something stupid. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, I'd probably say Crystal Palace probably would have been up there as one of the worst as well for the window. But if they can get Gallagher in on Lard again, they've done shrewd. But, yeah, I mean, the Liverpool situation is tough. Um, I mean, Fenway Sports Group, obviously, are looking to sell the club. Um, and and they don't want to invest any more money until they've got rid of it. It looks like the sale's getting closer, but they're only hurting their own asset. And the if it is the Qatari um, sports fund who are looking at it to look into buy Liverpool... It's going to devalue them if they ain't playing in the Champions League and, and they'll just wait. They'll say, okay, we'll wait, we'll wait till next season and we'll offer 100 million, 200 million less. It's it's a dangerous game they're playing because they've got an aged midfield. You know, Henderson's the wrong side of 30, Cater's the wrong side of you know, 30. Um, I think a few, a few of them are, are, are pushing probably in the last three or four years at the top. You know, it's, it's, it's a dangerous, dangerous game to play. To have to let an, a squad age to the point where you need a complete rebuild. I mean, they're looking at Nunes in, in the summer, but they were, if they were Bellingham as well, I mean, you're talking the best part of two hundred million pounds to build that rebuild that midfield in the summer. But Chelsea, who else is going to do that? And you need serious investment. But uh, the the other one that's just gone through as well is that Felipe has gone to. Forest, see their scouts yeah. are, are following our coattails as per usual, or either taking our old our old castaways or uh, <laughs> or stealing our scout reports. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there ain't much pace in that defence if they're going to be playing Felipe and Bollies. Uh, <laughs> oh. I mean, Forrester uh, Forrester baffling to me. I mean, uh, yeah. it's it's almost like I mean, I think the squad that they've got now they'll. Annoyingly, probably be okay anyway without bringing anyone else in. Um, so they've kind of picked up and they've kind of seemed to have gelled, which was always going to take time anyway. With what happened in the summer, but I don't understand why they're doing it again. It doesn't make any. It's almost like he's playing football manager, the, the big fat man. I can't remember his name. Um, I saw him the other day when the um, he was on camera in the um, semi final last week. And he, he's, he's almost getting to the size of the uh, big barrier, Birmingham. He's getting that way. He's going to have to have about four seats to himself soon. It's outrageous. I don't know what I don't know what's going on. <laughs> um, but controversial take. 
Are Man City one of the losers in this transfer window? Because that the Cancelo thing is mm. it's dodgy how he's just suddenly fell out completely off the face of the earth. Obviously, something's gone on there, and he's put all his faith in that kid. But Cancelo seems to be one of the the dressing room good guys as well. And then you got Bernardo Silva doesn't seem to be playing either. It's like something's going on there, and obviously they're not going to spend money money hand over fist anymore because they probably can't this year after the Grealish stuff last year. But something's not right there. And I know that we were pathetic a couple of weeks ago, and <laughs> they uh, they didn't get out of first gear, but. I don't know. So, something seems off at Man City. I, I, I'll come and put my finger on it. Do you think it's similar in terms of Liverpool that you know the manager's been there a significant amount of time and there's arguably bits of rebuild that need to happen in that team. Players are getting older and mm-hmm. it gets a bit fraught and you know so if you've got someone who's you know got a strong personality and you know it's it's a tricky one, and you say like just to just to go, oh, yeah, but it's fine because I've got uh, Rico Lewis, is it? Yeah, you know, it's it's, it's big of it's really big of Pep to to back him, but if if, if there's any coach, I guess who thinks he can mould and young players, it's going to be it's probably going to be him. It's yeah, a- I think I think yeah, you look at the way Liverpool handled Mo Salah. Uh, and just throwing money at a situation is probably he's probably a similar sort of thing. He's probably wanting to, a new contract. He's probably wanting more money. He's probably wanting um, to you know play play all the time. And he, he's wanting to get these demands into place. That he said, okay, fuck him off because, mm. like I say, people get stagnant. People kind of get comfortable in their own shoes and. Sometimes you've got to be ruthless in football and move people on. And the the kid's not done bad, has he, Rico Lewis? Right. And and you know he's been he's been competent uh, and he's done well. And he's um, like you say, if there's Pep, Pep will give him the chance, and, and and the coaches that are around him are the best opportunity for him to grow and and playing with players that he is. He, he's gonna he's gonna improve every week. It's a perfect situation for him and the perfect place for him to grow. You know, it seems very much like the whole league is like the year Leicester won it, where there's so many teams that are completely dysfunctional yeah. or at the end of their cycle, and yeah, and it, it just ha- it, it's just our luck eh, that we 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 get caught up as one of them teams because if this was a year ago, then well, it, yeah, literally a year ago when we were pushing for fourth before it, before mm. Hoover messed it all up, um, you think well. It's just classic Wolves that it's it happened this year and it's and we're shit as well. Yeah, typical in it. Um, you say what tends to happen though is you don't get you get this sort of funny old season when a couple of the big teams go through a recycle and drop off. Um, problem is it doesn't happen all that often, does it? As you sort of mentioned, it only happens like every sort of six seven years. Um, so yeah, I know it's been an interesting transfer window. And happy that Wolves at least come out the other side of it looking a lot better from when we started. And that's, I think that's all we could ask for. And we definitely have. 
um, as well as shifting your sort of mentioned in terms of Guedes and Hoover, some of the dead weight as well. I know you're dreading it, boys, but I have done a quiz. But it's fun. It's going to be a fun quiz. All quizzes are fun, as I keep wow. telling you constantly. Um, six questions. Um, feel free to join in as well to everyone who's listening, watching live. So first up, on the 25th of January 2006, Wolves signed the missing piece of the jigsaw, Thomas Frankowski. But who else did Wolves sign that day? Uh, the first one that jumped into my head was Berra, but I don't think that's right at all. That might be a bit early, might not it? Berra. It was only when I was doing this quiz, I thought, yeah, this is a fun one. Do you want me to tell you the answer? Do you, have, do you want to guess? I'll, I'll guess it's Sol. That's anyone. <laughs> but who the? F- right, yeah, right back. Yeah, yeah. no idea. He was, a, he was a right back who uh, played three games more than Thomas Frankowski. He basically yes. played the back end of last that that season, and then went off to Luton, or he came from Luton. I can't quite remember from my quick Scottish Wikipedia line. grab. Yeah, Scott. Very tough tackling um, from memory. He. Again, I don't know how he didn't get sent off for us. Um, <laughs> so, question number two. What season was the January transfer window introduced? I literally had this question with Stu in mind because I thought it's going to be the sort of one where you might just go, I know exactly when that is. I'm trying to think of it because... I mean, I'll, I'll just guess because I ain't going to know. So, I'll just guess <laughs> at 96. No, it's like, no. It, no. Because you you had so you used to have it was March when it was the end of March like the last the last two months of the season when you you could bring players in up until then. I had two thousand and seven in my head, but I think that's too late as well. Um, I'll go two I'll go two thousand and five. It was the two thousand and two to two thousand and three season. Damn. Yeah, because. <laughs> I, I was when I was having a look, you know, like the year before we obviously were signing players in that in two thousand and two. We still were signing players, you're right, in that March time, like Gunnar Haller was a March sign you know, was a mm. March signing for the last two months of the season. Um right, number three, let's whisk through it. Who was Wolf's first signing in a January transfer window? So it was the year after that, so it was a pre- oh fucking Paul Jones. Seem quite confident, so I'll, I'll let you go with that one. No, you're gonna. It was Carl Court. Now, I oh, that was a year after. Oh, yeah. Now, mm. technically, we signed Vio Ganea on a free transfer on the on New Year's Eve. Um, but I think it was technically classed as a free transfer. So I don't know whether you do class or not, but I think the first like actual one that was in that window. Um, but I digress. So uh, Eckett Johnson signed for Wolves in January 2012, but for which football club, football league club, sorry, 
uh, did he make over 50 appearances for after leaving Wolves? English Football League. Yeah, English Football League. Reading? Did he go Reading? Was that Edwards? Oh, my brain's gone. It's the worst quiz of all time. Um, it is. It's, it's up there. Sorry. I know. I'm only joking, Rich. A lot of a lot of them around that time was in Millwall, were they? After us. Um, uh, or, that's yeah. But I don't think he did. I was going to say Brentford, maybe? It was Fleetwood. Oh, I see. Red. That's enough. Yeah. Okay, so Wolves sold Richard Stearman in a January transfer window. How many goals did he score for Wolves during his time at the club? Uh, I'll go seven. I'll go 20. He actually scored. Um, Jafo's actually nearest, so I'll give him a point. Five. <laughs> no way. Yes, way. That little. Oh. Yeah. I was trying to be conservative. I was shot it. And last question, then, before we wrap up. Um, in Nuno's championship winning season, uh, Wolves sold two players from a January transfer window. Who were they? See, there's so, like we said earlier, there's so much shit that we've had here. <laughs> you can't, you got to think of. Two players sold. Uh, it was pro- I think Price left earlier than that. Um, I want to say to share, but I think that's maybe not right. Yeah, because well, I thought Danny Bath, but he was he lifted the trophy, didn't he? Even though he didn't play that often. Um, hmm. I'm going to say Jeff Price is one of them, but I don't think it's right. I think he left a few months earlier than that. The two were Jack Price and Lee Evans. <laughs> no, I sure. Yeah, January yeah. 8th for Jack Price and January 10th for Lee Evans. I'm going to wrap up today's show on that wonderful quiz. Let us know, anyone who's listening, how well you did on that. I think that was a perfect quiz, to be honest. I think it just shows your limitations <laughs> rather than my adult mind and how it works but you know what we'll, we'll worry about it next time um we'll be back though guys um at some point big thank you to everybody listening we'll we'll be back to preview the liverpool game um probably friday night and also to talk about it as well post game um i say thanks for everyone who's uh watched it live today's episode live on youtube make sure you like share and subscribe um as well as um subscribing on podcasts as well your support is greatly appreciated as always make sure you're following wolves fancast um on twitter facebook instagram it's at wolves fancast um very easy lovely to find but until next time it's goodbye from Stu. Goodbye, everyone. I mean, uh, this is, I mean, we are signing off now at, at 11 minutes past 10 on transfer deadline day. So if anything happens after this, it's not our fault. This is Rich no. kicking us out at this time of day. So, yeah, goodbye, I'm everyone. So- I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I- I'm sorry we're going to miss the um, Max Kilman going for 40 million in the next 45 minutes. Yeah. So if Adam LaFondra comes in on a free, 
it's yeah. it's Richie's ball. You know what? It, if we saw in, uh, Gikares or whatever you say from Coventry, I'll come on here on my own. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Talk to you all. Just then. after a few more beers. <laughs> send me the stream yard login. <laughs> I've got the I've got the keys to the castle. Here. I, oh. I don't need them. <laughs> Even better. You give me the power. Oh, God help us all. God help us all. It's goodbye from Jaffo. Yeah, good night, guys. It's goodbye from me. See you next time, everyone. Thank you.